Oh, Virginia, it's Virginia, Virginia Tech week. As I mentioned before, in the last 19 tries, Virginia has beat Virginia Tech one time. Um, it's at Virginia. Nate will be there. Uh, so he actually, the last, the, the only time that they beat Virginia Tech, he ran the flag out on the field before the game for, with the team. So I was like, you need to. You need to talk to them again. And you need like, to tell them that. Yeah. yeah, you need to tell them. In every Virginia Tech game, you need to be the dude leading the team out because there's a you know 19 years of sample that shows the one time y'all won, this one thing happened. So I'm just you know I'm just saying I'm just putting that one out there. And the, the at least at least rule it out. Try it and rule it out. Yeah, try it. And if y'all lose again, be like, all right, well at least we tried our good luck charm because it's not like you've been winning elsewise anyway. You might as well try it. We are back on a Thanksgiving Wednesday. There, I feel like there's a nickname for this. Like, obviously, it's, you know, it's a big party night of the year. Everyone goes out. Everyone gets drunk. There's, I don't know if there's, like, Mischief Eve is the Halloween one. I don't know if there's a name for Wednesday Eve, drink drinking Eve, whatever you want to call it. Um, but happy happy holidays. Happy happy Thanksgiving week um, to, to everyone here ahead of week. Well, week 12 is in the books, correct? Yeah. Week. Week 12 college football, SB and Ross's untitled college football podcast. Yes, we are. We are through week 12. We are. um, Oh, no. Yeah, we are headed into week 13. So the final week, rivalry week, a lot of cups, a lot of trophies, a lot of playoff implication type stuff. Um, The penultimate week, I guess, before the the conference championship week. And we got a lot of stuff to get into, so I, we're going to try to stay to the traditional format, but the thoughts off the top are going to be pretty deep layered because at this point in the season, we got, you know, the the big, we got real storylines now, not that we don't throughout, but we got the the real deep storylines, but we'll start with the, the unfortunate one uh, for Florida State fans and really just for college football fans and for the, the, the national uh, playoff picture, really. Uh, we'll talk about, but the Jordan Travis injury from last weekend is probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, low lights highlight, but you know, low lights of the, of the weekend. One of the most significant things that happened. Um, I was not watching the game. I, I full disclosure, I was at a little friend's giving on Saturday. Uh, so we had a couple games going back and forth, but we're, we're Knicks fans, so Knicks are playing. And then my boy Pete is a Kansas fan, so Kansas was in a thriller with Kansas State. So I did not see the injury, but you texted me about it, said it was nasty, one of those ones that looked real bad. Um, I obviously did not go search out the video. I wouldn't advise anybody to do that. If you haven't seen it, you're probably better off not having seen it, but I heard it was real bad. Um, and you just feel for him because we talked about all year. He's a Florida State lifer. <laughs> been there he's broken Chris Wickey's records they're having an unbelievable year you know they win their conference they're in all that talk uh even Jordan Travis for Heisman started to get some buzz because it's like maybe we should be paying attention to this really good quarterback on this undefeated team um 
and then against a team that we joked all season about this little scrimmage that they had at the you know end of their year in that game of all games for him to get hurt in this way it was yeah. just really yeah. devastating to see so you know prayers for his recovery and and really hate to see that so i i, I feel i know you're you know a bit of a florida state um i don't know if i'd say, you know if you want to say fan but supporter certainly i know i know you you've rocked with some florida state teams in the past and obviously he was a really good player so you hate to see that one happen yeah it's a different type of leg injury but i, I felt i think the same way that i felt when Willis McGaggy blew out his knee. Mm, yeah. I was like, you know, right away that, that it's his bad. day is done, his season is done, and this, yeah. is, this is a serious injury. So, yeah. I mean, they yeah, announced <laughs> they announced it pretty, pretty closely after it had, like within hours that his, you know, Florida State career, obviously his in his last year, but that his career there was, was certainly over. Um, and you'd say, like, you know, to talk the next level, like draft stock and, like you say with Willis McGee, he like that was a you know that's a case of a guy who's clearly has a professional career in front of him. I think we could say the same thing about Jordan Travis. So that element of it as well was just you know it just sucked to to see you know you saw players on both obviously his team, but you even saw the players on the other team uh, come out and just you know kind of obviously when it's a, that kind of level of gruesome of an injury, the game no longer matters, and we all you know focus on what's important, but. Um, just again, hate to see it. So just wanted to, you know, send thoughts to his, his recovery and, you know, going through, um, you know, tough time, but hopefully, you know, wishing him the best yeah. and that he yeah. comes back, um, to be able to, to, uh, you know, obviously walk and, and live a normal life, but if he wants to continue playing to be able to do that. So I, I I'm rooting for that, obviously. Um, there's yeah, no, his career is and yeah, could not on the football side could not have come at a worse time for Florida State. So I'm sure we'll get into that too. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll we'll get into that. I feel like we can now. I mean, we'll talk playoffs later, but I just will off the top because once you kind of got past the person part of this with Jordan Travis, it was then the conversation about what do you do with Florida State in this you know, national playoff conversation, um, and I. So my stance, and I want to hear from you too. Let's get let's get our stances out there now. My stance is that the precedent has already. It's not really like my opinion. I'm just going to state a fact here. The precedent has already been set uh, previously when a team loses their starter starting quarterback with how they are to be treated. So Ohio State, the very first year of the playoff system, loses JT Barrett in a second to last game of the year. Um, they go on to beat the breaks off of Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship with their backup quarterback. Um, and then, who well, I don't even think it was Cardell Jones at first. I feel well, it was like somebody else. it was somebody else. And then Cardell Jones ends up playing in the two playoff the games. String. Right, because he was on the third string. So I forget, sorry, the name is eluding me now, who came in in between. But basically, because Ohio State demonstrated that we will still whoop ass even with a backup quarterback or a third-string quarterback, they not only validated getting into the dance, they won the whole thing. And to me, the precedent from there was set that just like kind of Texas staying where they were in the rankings without their quarterback, the, the precedent is set for me. If you 
are able to still sustain your Braxton level Miller? of your what you say? Was it Braxton Miller? Uh, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been JT Barrett, then Braxton Miller, or or I'm trying to think if they overlapped. It was it was like they had the fact that they had three really good quarterbacks. Um, kind of speaks to that. But yeah, like the the if you still maintain your level of play as a team, that you can still be rewarded, right? If they beat the hell out of Florida and beat the hell out of Louisville with whoever the backup quarterback is, to me, I feel like we shouldn't change this conversation. You might change maybe where they get ranked because you think their ceiling's lower, but their resume and their play would merit them getting in, same as if Jordan Travis was there or not. So that's my stance on it. Where are you with kind of approaching from a committee standpoint how do you look at it let's again assume it's an undefeated and still looks good because then it's a different conversation obviously if they lose they're out and if they don't look good maybe we have a different conversation but let's assume they go undefeated um so yeah just where you stand i kind of just you know laid out you know my stance just where where are you with assuming two things because again it's a different conversation if they lose they're out and if they don't look good it's a different conversation but assuming Florida State wins out and looks good uh, in both games, where are you standing with kind of how you rank them from a committee standpoint? Yeah, I, I almost wonder like how much this this all matters. Um, I think this matters more if um, this happened when there were no games left. But generally speaking, I think where we are now that this is going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. So because the committee has already set precedent, then yes, like I think the committee will consider who they are and how they look with this new quarterback who's light on experience, but he's been there for a long time. Um, but I think if he looks good against Florida and against Louisville, and those are both wins, I think it's yeah. going to be hard to leave Florida State out. They're going to be an undefeated power five champion with another, um, another top 10 win. Yeah. I I, mean, what do you do? Here's the thing. I think they have to get almost would have to, if they went out, get in because right now the two of one of the two teams ahead of them in Ohio state and Michigan will lose. Right. So Unless it's that scenario that we talked about where there's just a bunch of one losses and an undefeated. I mean, I still feel like if they're undefeated, they get in. So I feel like, like you said, this takes care of itself. If they get, if they're undefeated, that they would have to get in because you, there just wouldn't be enough spots that you would put one, you know, one loss teams, uh, or there wouldn't be enough undefeated teams, and then you're not going to put a one loss team ahead of them undefeated. Right. So yeah, right. I, it it will probably take care of itself. The only crazy scenario, like it would take a crazy scenario for it to come down to like if that's how they felt about it or whatever. But you know, presently, right now, after the rankings last night, they moved down to five, and I don't think that's about Jordan Travis so much as it's about Washington getting another top, you know, fifteen win against Oregon State. So I think it was more like, you know, they needed to reward a Washington team who's been snubbed maybe the most all season, if we want to be honest. But um, so, yeah, I think it'll take care of itself so we can move on. We'll talk playoffs in a little bit. I want to talk Michigan again still some more because um, my how the tone changed 
very quickly from an institutional standpoint, their fans are still as indignant and crazy as ever. But from an institutional standpoint, they went from we'll sue to, okay, we'll take the three games. Please go away now. <laughs> really quickly. So quickly. Really so quickly, quickly. Because the more the investigation, like we said, quarter measure at best, and the Big Ten did no investigating, the NCAA is going to move at a slow pace. But the more time there is to investigate, the more stuff is coming out. We got, you know, uh, Chris Partridge is getting fired. That's the linebacker coach who was somehow invest, uh, stifling or interfering with the investigation. So he was fired very quietly, let go of. Um, you got basically now there's a shady, which this is something I talked about. Um, guys out there, listeners, I did a sit down with a, a good buddy of mine, former uh, football you know, NFL player, college football player, obviously but former uh, pro player. Uh, Nate Collins, you guys will hear that probably same time you're hearing this. So I'll put them both out. But we talked about this, this Uncle T character. Nate has this theory that that's Tom Brady. And the, you know, for those who haven't followed the story, the booster, there is now a booster who is said to have been paying for Connor the Stallion's trips, right? That he wasn't funding this all the time, always. And that there was a booster directly making payments for this guy to go different places. And the booster's name is just... A, Uncle T, which Connor the Stallion was already a great name, but now we have an Uncle T in the mix. And Nate said, "What if T? You know, what if Uncle T is Uncle Tom? What if it's Tom Brady? Right? They're not gonna. He's not gonna TB twelve or be all out here super obvious if he's doing stuff. But like, what if that's Tom Brady? Now that's a theory, and Nate's good at coming up with theories that you wouldn't otherwise think of. But I, it's a theory I really want to be accurate." Um, but they are in trouble. Like they, they're in trouble because more is going to come out. And I, they, I've said from the beginning, there's a reason the NFL so strongly came out and was like, depending on how this investigation goes, you might not be able to work in the NFL. That was such a weird thing for them to say, like preemptively. Uh, there's a reason people think maybe Harborough doesn't coach at Michigan anymore. There might be more to this than we know investigation means more comes out investigations uh, you know ncaa is not good at investigations they don't take you know they take very long but sometimes stuff comes out and it seems like michigan knows that and really just wants the three games to be the end of it that is absolutely what they did they wanted to have the public perception of we're fighting we're innocent blah 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 but similar to Diddy and like other situations that involve settlements, mm, like yeah. once you have the opportunity to get this out the news cycle, they're going to do it. Yeah. And yes, I, technically doing a settlement is not an admission of guilt. Yes. And that's, that's important to say, but there's a reason yeah, why they legal. want to land on this so quickly. Yes. For legal reasons, you have to say that, but I, yeah, I do agree. And I, it looks bad in the Diddy situation, you know, in a different podcast of mine, I would maybe have covered that. Um, you know, we we may or may not uh, come back and record things on that one. But with, with just in general, uh, when you have I'll just make a broad statement that can apply to all things. When you have the money, resources and lawyers to fight things, if you're innocent or if you are believe that you are innocent and you have all those things and you choose not to take it the full length of trial, even if it's not the thing that you are on trial for, it means you just don't want discovery. You don't want subpoena powers. You don't want people testifying. You don't want things coming out. 
which is what I think this has been more about this whole time is the sign stealing is probably the least of it. They've probably been doing a whole bunch of things that by NCAA, you know, rules, they would be like, stop doing that. So I just feel like we're going to hear more and uh, it makes them the ultimate villains. So from a team as a player, if you have to assume the villain hat as a player, I get it. JJ McCarthy, watch how good I can hand the ball off. If that's what you have to do, fine. But the fans and anyone else, like you guys just kind of need to shut up. Like you got caught in the dumbest and sloppiest of ways by two people with hilarious names. You just need to eat this one. Um, so that's, I mean, that's where we are with that. More will come out. I'll make it a prediction here now. Or Jim Harbaugh. I, I mean, or not, I, I guess. I guess or not. I just feel like it will, but maybe or not. I also predict Jim Harbaugh won't be coaching at Michigan very long. Like, I, I do think there's also something to be said there. I, I know people, I know history would suggest, actually, his history suggests he won't be there much longer. History of people like him in those power positions suggests that he will be there as long as he wants, but we'll see what happens. I mean, here's the thing. Who has a vested interest besides Michigan rivals for this going any further? Um, no if Michigan buddy. wins, the Big Ten wants to keep their champion. Yeah. NCAA doesn't like bad headlines as much as they can't help themselves. Yeah. So I think everyone wants this to go away. Yeah. Um, that is true. Um, I maybe it ends up like you said. Who else besides their rivals? Maybe you end up getting a pro bono lawyer from Purdue who's like, nah, hell no. I'm I'm gonna see what can be done here. I'm gonna see what's really going on. I don't know. Northwestern, 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 get on this. Yeah, get the Northwestern law students on this ASAP. Figure out if there's more be done. Let's get journalists on this. From I mean, Northwestern journalism school should be all over this. Like, do some digging, do some investigating. Um, but nah, you're right. Look, nobody it, they everyone stands to make money. Michigan's a power brand. We know this. Um, every not everyone, but most people want this to go away. So maybe more won't come out for that reason. Um, I just it really doesn't want a playoff team or potential national champion who has a tainted resume. Yeah, well, spoiler the alert. Big Ten, there's there's money up millions of dollars out their pocket if they don't send representative to the playoff like no one of course of course no one wants this to happen no i spoiler alert i think ohio state will make sure it doesn't happen it won't be michigan but we'll get to that game um in a little bit i want to move let's move to jmu we've been a jmu pod a bit a sunbelt pod a jmu pod all year um jmu had twenty six thousand people strong for game day down in harrisonburg um it's not the first time they've been there but you would think it is i guess you know with what's going on there it's been more uh impactful uh, or it was it was a bigger impact right because you got you got lawsuits you got ncaa petitions you got that's another case of pro bono lawyers trying to figure out what they could do to get jmu eligible and i'm sitting there watching this i have to admit this on this pod i'm sorry guys um i I saw this one coming. I made a little hint about it last week, and I bet App State this week. I've been betting JMU all year, and they cover. I say it all the time. Good teams win. Great teams cover. They've been covering. 
I bet App State this week. I kind of saw this one coming. I just felt that the whole, like, the NCAA won't let us shine thing. I just felt, you know what's going to happen? Game day is going to go down there. They're going to play this game. Everyone's going to be making this noise about it's not fair. And then they're going to lose. And the NCAA is going to go, It's not going to matter. Okay, that's one set of issues off our plate. We don't got to worry about that no more. Uh, It's not fair. It's not right. I didn't want it necessarily to happen, but I just kind of saw, you know, I've seen App State play. JMU had to get tested. So I really just took App State on the points, but I'm not surprised that they won. Um, And, you know, it ruins the fun story for the end of the, you know, for now, I'll just move my attention over to Liberty. But um, it, it, it was a tough game. It was a dope environment. It was great to see game day there. I'm glad everyone showed up to the party now, but I hate that they had to come and now look at them and be like, wait a minute, has this just been some fraudulent nonsense this whole time? Because the one time they watched them, if they did on ESPN Plus, they lost. So shout out to JMU, still a great season. You couldn't win your conference anyway, so I guess it's not like, you know what I mean? You you wanted to have it so you could petition, but um, maybe this makes it a little bit easier to swallow that technically, you know, you you might not win it anyway. So we'll, you know, next year. And their coach's name is uh, being mentioned in all types of openings, which I want to talk jobs in a second too, which I don't know if you want to go somewhere else. Uh, JMU's pretty sweet gig. I would kind of stay there. Yeah, maybe get some more money, but I would kind of stay there. Uh, Moving right along to speaking of open jobs, anybody want that Syracuse job? Because I wouldn't. Um. We've been on the Dino Babers is getting fired beat all year just because of their ridiculous. I mean, it's not ridiculous. They have some expectations. I do feel like being below all the teams in the ACC was the, you know, final decider. I I do get that Syracuse is Syracuse, but maybe they're like, we just don't want to be last in the ACC. I feel like that's a fair ask, Um, but it's a tough job and I don't know who would want it. I'm just going to say that because the names that they're mentioning, I'm like, why would any of these people do that? Why would they want that? Yeah, it's it's a tough job. I mean, we, we covered it, I think, on the, on the pod a couple weeks ago. Um, Dino Rabers just didn't win enough. I mean, and I actually didn't realize when we were talking about him that he's been there for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had a, a win against Clemson, I think maybe three or four years ago. Uh, it was probably his biggest win of his tenure. But you got to be bowl eligible at least every other year. Yeah. And then have a big win off every other year. He just didn't do it. Yeah. So, it's yeah, a, it's, it's a tough job. It's tough. It's a tough, tough. Place to recruit, a tough place to win. <laughs> You're never going to be able to to beat out probably the Penn States and things for, for recruits. Um, and then on top of that, you're always going to be second in the basketball. So, yeah. Stuff. It's a tough job. I think, yeah, when you're looking at the standings and you're next to Wake Forest, also a basketball school, um, it hurts. And I do, yeah, he was there. He was given the – I can't even do the – they didn't give him time. He was given time. It's just tough um, to recruit that area of the Northeast in general. Like you mentioned, the other schools. Like when you're recruiting the Northeast, if you're not one of the three or four big, you know, Penn State, Ohio State – uh, Michigan, you know, Notre Dame occasionally, right? If, if you're not like one of those four or five schools that recruits that area, 
you're getting the, I mean, this is not to shade anybody. I'm from that area. I get it. You, you know, my friends and all of us, we played in the Northeast. Uh, but from the football standpoint, generally you're getting quote unquote, the leftovers. There's some standouts here or there, but it's generally speaking, a tough recruiting pitch. They're talking about coaches who are in what I would consider much better situations right now for that opening. I just don't think that that makes sense. Um, it's going to, uh, to me, what makes sense at that job is some young, hungry, either first or very, you know, kind of new into the game who will just like live on the recruiting trail and will just kind of has the energy that it would take to make Syracuse a thing. Um, if they win this week, they are bowl eligible because they're five and six right now. So, you know, if they get a win this week, they, they, they get to go to a bowl game, but it's a tough job. Um, and they're playing. Yeah, the competing against all the big 10 schools. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a better, all the big 10 schools are going to be better jobs. Um, you know, yeah. your family will never get to see you play unless at home. Like there's, there's all those things too that make it hard. Yeah, it's a tough sell. So I um, will yeah. be following Dino. We'll see where he ends up, whose staff he ends up on. I feel like he can run a solid program that some schools would want. Um, I don't know. Also in the 60s. I don't know if he's going to even. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That is true. He's uh he's older than he looks. So yeah, we'll see. Um, Arkansas Sam Pittman, who who's the coach there? They're sticking with him for one more year, which I do have to be consistent about. I appreciate giving time. I think next year is either year three or four. So like next year is definitely the make or break year. They're the weirdest team of all time. It seems like every other game, one game they'll score fifty, the next game they'll score three. They're a very bizarre team. Um, he he has switched coordinators offensively and defensively several times. So it just seems like he doesn't know who he wants to be working with, um, which is something I feel like we talked about with some of these coaches. It's like figuring out who your trusted game callers and these people are. Um, so that's an interesting job to keep an eye on because Arkansas has the resources. Arkansas has Walmart money. Um because you know the Waltons are from down there, but they Jones money. they got who's money? Jerry Jones money too. Yeah, that's true. They got Jerry Jones money. They got Walmart money. They got all the money. They got resources. They they can pay some of these people. Um, but it's uh, that's another example of you know just a tough job. You're competing in the SEC. I think they can be better. So, like, it's a big next year for coach. Nobody's really paying. You know, Sam Pittman, Arkansas, who's really paying attention. But next year is definitely a year where, like, if you don't get it together, um, you're probably out. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about some other jobs. Let's talk. I just want to talk in general. Sean McDermott, just like as a uh, as a general principle, I think firing coordinators is a is a risky one, especially if you fire offense and defense. At a certain point, it puts you on notice that something's going on here and soon there's nobody left to fire except you yeah it's um it's a it's a problem for a lot of coaches uh like or it's a thing that you'll see on both levels nfl college you'll see it's just like i got like i'm not gonna fire myself so i gotta fire like i'm trying to save my job here if i can throw a scapegoat out there maybe it'll work um but yeah no i mean 
could be a reason talk. to keep on to keep a coordinator longer than maybe you would otherwise because you need a scapegoat. Yeah, I mean, like I wonder if Alex Grinch was brought over because Lincoln Riley needed he didn't out. No, I mean Grinch had been his DC too, but I, it was just like, yeah, I think that was the. But those defenses weren't good, and people were wondering like, why right. you bringing him over? Right, like, yeah, and and I get like maybe it's just like I like him. We're friends. People like working with certain people. Like there is that aspect of sports that people often forget. It's just like if you you know if you had your choice, you would choose to work with people you liked. So there is always that element of it. Yeah, and trust. So there's also that, even if they're not necessarily good at their job, there might have been a level of trust or communication or whatever. But yeah, some of these coaches, when they fire the OC or the DC, um, if those coaches like Lincoln Riley or, uh, you know, you know, Lincoln Riley with defense, James Franklin with the offense, if your track record is like those things are always an issue or not good. And, you know, it's been several OCs and DCs and different play college and you're switching all this stuff around. Maybe it's you. You know, just maybe it's you and you know, coaches. If there's a camp or development for coaches, like there's some coaches that could use some of that, right? That could use just like learning how to be a better coach. But not to get too deep into that, we kind of did that last week. I just want to talk just general openings like Texas AM, Mississippi State, Syracuse, Boise State, those jobs. Like we talked about Syracuse. Texas A&M is a weird job to talk about, right? Texas A&M is, they have all the money in the world. Their expectations are that of, because they're in the SEC, Alabama, and, and LSU, and because they're in Texas, of Texas, but they've never been that. There's no reason to believe that they will be that, but that's what the expectations are. And it's a weird-ass school that pretends to be a military, but they're not really. It's some, they got weird things that they do over there with their midnight yell and their rallies and they're dressing up. And it's just a weird school. Like I, I think that is a factor when you're talking about some of these jobs, when people say Deion Sanders to Texas A&M, I feel like I, they don't watch the sport. That would be a, a horrible, horrible match. Like that just, it would be a disaster for so many reasons. I don't think the Texas A&M job is as good as people think that it is. They have a lot of money to pay their coaches, but that's just a job that I look at that I think it's a little bit more seen as a better job than it actually is. And I don't know who fills it, but I can't, I haven't thought of like a good, yeah, that guy makes sense yet because it's just a really peculiar job from my viewpoint yeah we talked about this the pod after Jimbo got fired but I I would be where any situation as a, if I was a coaching candidate where maybe there were a lot of resources but there is not continuity between athletic department the funder arm and the alumni arm mm-hmm. and that's that's the dynamic at Texas A&M that makes winning hard there makes running a program hard there and creates a lot of dysfunction yeah and if you're dan lanning who uh reports about his name and people you know private flights going to and from college station to eugene oregon and these types of you know rumor mills that start now if you're dan lanning why in the hell would you leave 
where you are at Oregon with this awesome thing that's been awesome for 25 years, why would you leave there to go to Texas A&M? Like Oregon can afford to match probably what I would think that they would just pay you more if you were maybe going to leave, which maybe, you know, use it as a tactic if you need. But I just like those are, you know, that was one of the first names that they're talking about. And I just feel like, all right, maybe we need to talk about something, but he can't Dan Lanning. I don't know him, but he can't seriously be considering that. Can he? Cause that, that, that is an example of a bad, you know, a backward move. Like Oregon to me is clearly a better situation than Texas and I'm. So my opinion on this is I have a few thoughts. So Dan Lanning as a as a coach, he has SEC roots. So I think that's one of the reasons why his name has come up so much. I think coaches also has egos just like players do. Yes, and true. I think the SEC has an air of the big leagues. True. And so yeah, it's cute that you like, you know, you've been in the Big Twelve, but like if you're really a good coach, come do it over here with the big so I think that that kind of messaging gets to folks like a Dan Lanning, mm-hmm. who otherwise in a great situation, who may feel the 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 pull to be like, you know what, let me test my medal in the SEC where like they really play football. I don't necessarily agree with that. Sure, but, but that's, I think that's I, why we see coaches do that. Yeah, I agree with you that that is probably a thing. Um, I think maybe we start to see that mentality shift as college football. I don't want to use the parody word, but as you see kind of the talent even out, you see the conference realignment and expansion of playoffs. Maybe you see that kind of change and some of these coaches start to realize why the hell would I go through the gauntlet that is the SEC when I can just win 10 or 11 games over here every year and get into this playoff. And that's the goal. Um, and the wild thing is that Max Love was a better conference this year. That's what I'm saying, right? So I feel like that perception, I I, I I agree with you that that perception's out there, but it's just like it is a narrative at this point and a perception that is false because if you just kind of look at the top 25, it, you know, playoff ranking-wise, we got Tennessee, we got LSU, we got Missouri, Bama, and Georgia, right, which is a lot. So I'm not, you know, but if I go to the bottom of that conference, Versus, you know, the bottom of, like, the middle of the Big 12 is, like, I mean, Pac-12 is USC, Utah, Oregon State, like, Arizona's toward the top, I guess, now. But, like, those are the types of teams in the the middle range, whereas in the SEC right now, no disrespect, it's, like, the Kentuckys, Florida's kind of on the down right now, South Carolina's looking not that good at all, like, some of those teams. So, yeah, I, I do think the perception is out there, you're right. I just hope I want to see more coaches kind of wake up and realize that, you know, an Oregon situation is better. Like Boise State, right? That's an opening. Um, It's an interesting opening. It's one where they should be one of the better power fives. They have resources in that program commiserate with the bigger schools on their kind of level, right? Boise State's at that. Um, But like, so to me, a Boise State job, or you're the right coach at Boise State is, I I know people wouldn't look at it this way, but I think is a better job than Texas A&M, right? Like, I know that sounds like, what are you talking about? But I believe that you are more likely to have what is considered by Boise State fan group success at Boise State. I believe you were more set up institutionally to have success there. 
than you are at Texas A&M versus what their view of success is, which is top five finish national, you know, college football playoff is expanding to 12. We want to be one of the 12. We want to win a title. And if they don't, if you're not doing that, I feel like they will feel you are not living up to expectations. Whereas Boise state win the conference every year, the higher the bowl game, the better, but you know, the, the goal is win your conference every year. Yeah. It's like, I and think we're to simplify this. Where is it easy to win ten games every year? Few I think places. it's Boise State. But yeah, Boise State's one of it's like Boise very State's few. Boise easier place than Texas A and M to win ten games every year. Oh, for sure. And it's like the answer is becoming few places are easy now, right? More more places are getting harder to just do that. But for sure, Boise State or somewhere like we've seen Tulane now for what feels like three straight seasons win ten games. Um, some of those smaller, you know, schools like that is a better, you would think for your coach, better quality of life, better, you know, happiness meter. If you measure that, like just in terms of your relationship with the job and with the fan base and achieving what is considered success. I just feel like we need to kind of see past some of brand names. And again, Texas A&M, I even hesitate to say brand name because they're really not if johnny manzel never i know you know he's there's plenty of things about him that are annoying but if johnny manzel he was a great football player in college and if he never goes there this whole jimbo fisher getting 90 million dollars to coach that whole thing never happens like they are never at a place where they think they are good enough to pay kevin someone to go away and go get the, the highest paid coach and do it like i feel like that all happened because johnny manzel happened they've never won the sec have they even been to the SC championship game? No, no. That I don't that, think so. that year with with Johnny Manziel was the best year, and I believe don't I mean look this up. I know one year he played in a bowl game against Duke. I don't know if that was his freshman year, but that was like the uh, Capital One. It was on New Year's Eve, so yeah, I remember like the Capital One Bowl or Peach Bowl, maybe one of those bowls. I don't know if that was his freshman year, the year he won the Heisman. Um, but either way, either year, right, he did go and won the game at Bama. It was incredible. One of the coolest football moments still of my life. But, yeah, they didn't – that year they didn't win the SEC, um, and that was their best, you know, year or run. So, yeah, um, they but they – that's what they want, right? They want to play in SEC championships. They haven't done that, um, but that's – they want that, especially when they see Georgia's doing it now and, and – Missouri's better than us. Like when when other schools start to do stuff, it's even more so, you know, exacerbating that you aren't. So it Texas. I roll my eyes though when when programs are like our bar for success is national championships. Like you haven't won a conference champ. Like why would we be talking about national championships? Yeah, I feel like that's part of Cruton. ABC always be Cruton. You got to tell all the recruits that's what you want to do. You can't be out here being realistic with the recruits like all right y'all like let's let's baby steps let's walk before we run we're gonna let, let's win six to seven games then let's win the, the sec east then let's play in the sec like but you're right it because everyone says national championship and it's like i maybe it's a bygone era but we used to like not talk about like yeah no no duh we won't win every game but we didn't say stuff like that because it really was, I know this is cliche, but it really is a one week at a time thing. And to be talking about that, like that's what you play for in training camp. I got it. 
But um, and that's what they got to sell to the media and the fan base. That's yeah, these coaches are selling stuff. Uh, all right, let's let's move. To yeah, so like you in the same division with Alabama, Mississippi, LSU, and Auburn. Yeah, let's let's. Then that's what I'm saying. Like they want to be on that level. They won't. It's interesting to watch. I've I'm interested to see these coaching seats get filled. That December fifteenth early signing date is the day all these schools fire people, but ain't nobody hire anyone yet. Which was my question when it all happened: was who are you guys bringing in? Because I get why kind of the timeline. College might want to consider moving that signing date because it doesn't yeah. really make sense with the rest of their season calendar. Um, but we'll get, we'll get to that another time. I want to move on. I want to talk uh, just briefly before we get into some more meaty stuff, some game stuff. The start to these fourth quarter shows that have become a thing in football now, like before the fourth quarter, everyone's doing a thing now. I feel like there's a proliferation of that that didn't used to always exist. It felt like a couple schools had it. Now everyone has something. Um, I saw a BYU BYU Cougar in like a like box, like a stage box with pyrotechnics going on. Like he was doing a concert to start their fourth quarter against Oklahoma. Um, I'm here for it. It's just it's funny when those teams. I mean, these teams won. <laughs> it's funny when those teams lose, and it's just also like what like. It, it, what happened was just throwing up the four for the fourth quarter. Everyone light your cell phones up. Like that's not enough. Like everyone's like, we got to do more and more and more and fireworks and dance and pyrotechnics. And I'm like, all right, I love it. Put more wrestling in college sports. I'm I'm here for it, but it, it gets me every time. Uh, Quick UCLA, uh, the UCLA recruits were the ones who stole the jewelry. So I did, you know, I told you inside job more than likely didn't think it was going to be on that side, though. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be a re- recruits on their recruiting visit to UCLA being wild, brazy, and going into the other team's locker room to take stuff out. That one I didn't That's see coming. Insane. I thought maybe it was UCLA students. Yeah, I thought it was maybe UCLA students. I thought it was maybe football players on UCLA's team that don't dress for games. I thought it was maybe mm. a, a number of things. None of the things I thought were it's recruits on their visit that are just like, I'll I'll throw this whole football thing away right now. I don't even care. Um, so I don't want their you know lives and recruiting and all that to get ruined. It will be impacted. People will hear about it and be like, okay, that's dumb, making a note of that. But um yeah, didn't didn't I'm glad Dion again was like, we're not, you know, tried to dead it, tried to didn't want to escalate the situation, kind of said what I said, doesn't want their lives to be ruined. So Dion again, handling situations very well, all in the midst of losing. Um, but that's one of the wilder things. I could never imagine on my recruiting visit doing in I've done I've done some stupid things as a young boy, young man, but I could never imagine doing something that brazen on my uh recruiting visit. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's selfish because there are other people who are on that visit who didn't take anything, but now right. everyone who was there is going to be implicated. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So now you have to explain at your next trip how it wasn't you. Um, let's get to the 12 teams. The committee has spoken, and we will speak. Um, I don't really have... I'm just going to look at the top 12. like Because... Uh, Okay, well, I'll look at the whole 25. Here are my beefs. Seven and four Clemson ahead of Liberty is disgusting to me. 
seven and four Tennessee ahead of anybody is disgusting to me. Um, that's that. That's that same SEC bias we're talking about with coaching. Yeah, we just like, we're just assuming the SEC teams are better, like they're and they're not. Yeah, no, like Tulane is ten and one, and if they were to play Tennessee, the spread would be Tennessee by a field goal, maybe. Tulane barely lost um, to Ole Miss without their starting quarterback. Yeah, so like, and and Liberty maybe it's tougher for me to, but like Liberty Clemson, I mean. Uh, Nobody's Clemson, beating Clemson on a neutral Clemson's field. Clemson's maybe a six-point favorite. I'm just trying to set lines here and just like, but yeah. anyway, um, I I don't like any of that. So you know, when I do my 12 teams, you know, I respect undefeated team. Tulane should get a little bit more love, but whatever. Um, I mean, they love Notre Dame. They don't want to quit Oregon State. A lot of teams haven't separated themselves, so that's kind of why I just want to go to 12. Old Miss, 12, Penn State, 11, Louisville, 10, Missouri at 9, which I think I also mentioned that I would put Missouri over Louisville. I, I know the record suggests otherwise, but I think if those two teams played, I'm, I, I, I'm taking Missouri. Uh, Alabama, 8, Texas, 7, Oregon, 6, Florida State, 5, Washington, 4, Michigan, 3, Ohio State two and Georgia at one. Finally, I think maybe that was after last week they did that as well. They did it to Ole Miss, and then they did the same thing to Tennessee. Not that anyone thought Tennessee was going to win. People thought Ole Miss might compete, so they just had to make that clear. But not Tennessee around. Um, so they're at number one. I will take. All right, let me just read my playoffs real quick because it's. Unless you have, do you have a big, a bigger beef than anything I mentioned so far with this real ranking? Because I, I don't have a huge beef. I just will get to kind of how I would rank it. But do you, where are you at with their twelve through one? I mean, it's fine. I mean, I already think you to share it. What they, what they decided makes sense. Um, particularly as it relates to the top four. Um, Again, I, I still don't understand when and how we were applying strength of schedule. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a consistent theme for us. So I, in my playoff, Washington is the second team. They've been, like, in. I, I don't understand what ground. I've said this about Michigan. It, Ohio State maybe a little bit more has some ground to stand on. But I don't understand what ground Michigan has to stand on to a claim of being ahead of Washington. And I say that because they have played other than Penn State, Purdue, Michigan State, Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, I'm sorry, Nebraska, Rutgers, Bowling Green, UNLV, which is actually a better UNLV is one of the better teams that Michigan's played. Say that sentence out loud and try not to sound dumb. Yeesh. East Carolina, like that, these are the teams that they struggled with Maryland. These are the teams that they have played. And so, yes, they have won all the games. So has Washington. Washington has won all of their games, only they've done it against teams who are actually, you know, good at football. So I don't understand. That would be the only thing when it comes to this. But yeah, Washington beat Boise State, Tulsa, Michigan State. The same Michigan State that uh, you know Michigan uh, played, by the way, California, Arizona, Oregon, ranked, ranked, Stanford, USC, ranked at the time, U- Utah, 
Oregon mm-hmm. State. Right. They're playing right. Washington State this weekend. So I just don't know what ground that Michigan would have to say they are above them. But whatever committee, because they have to play Ohio State this week and it'll take care of itself. My 12 would be Louisville 12, Missouri 11, Liberty. Oh, no, I have to take JMU out. Good God almighty. All right. So Old Miss at 12, Louisville at 11, Missouri at 10. No. Old Miss at 12. Give me... Yeah, Louisville at 11. Give me Missouri at 10. Give me Liberty at 9. Give me Texas 8. I just think Texas is... They're, they're, they're playing with fire way too much. And the way Oklahoma looks in some of these games is not helping Texas. Texas is rooting so hard for Oklahoma to just look good. And Oklahoma's almost intentionally looking shaky in their games to hurt Texas. I, I That's my conspiracy brain theory but i got texas eight i got michigan seven i got ohio state six i do not think very highly of either of those teams we'll talk about their big game coming up this week uh i got alabama at five Alabama's better than both ohio state and michigan in my book i have oregon four oregon just continues to do the same thing to almost outside the washington game they've done the same thing to every team they played every week just blow them out. I got FSU three pending. You know, we'll see. They they get they get to still play their way in. I got Washington two and I got Georgia one. I disrespect Wash. I've been disrespectful of Ohio State and Michigan all year. I don't think they're very good. I think one team has Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm picking that team to win the game this weekend. Like those points. Like them as the dog. Like them to win straight up. Uh, but. I don't even think the game's going to be that good. I just think it's important. And I think we're going to see both teams not that good. Which is interesting because this is being viewed in some circles as like the most important game in the history of the rivalry. Well, is it because of the whole, it's the last time before the conference has new people in it? And the Jim the Jim Harborough part and the fact that Ryan Day hasn't beat Michigan and the fact that they're two and three and there's a lot of elements. Playoff um, phase. Yep. There's a lot of elements that make that I get that. Uh, and I that's why I say it is an important game. I don't know that it's gonna be a good game. I don't know that it's gonna you know what I mean? I I I don't know that it's gonna be well played. Uh, certainly on the offensive end, you might see good defense, but yeah. it's also it's also hard to judge defense when the offense isn't isn't good. Uh, but Marvin Harrison Jr. he's a walking offense, so he will do things. I like Ohio State this weekend, but I I just again I know it, I get it. They're undefeated. We, we got to do what we got to do. And I guess if I ran a committee and I had Ohio State six and I mean Michigan seven and Ohio State six and then I had a couple one loss teams ahead of them people would be screaming at me that I don't know like what am I doing but I think what I'm doing is again I've said this I think I'm using my eyes and I think other people on the committee are just like well they were ranked high to start the season they haven't lost there put them here so I, I could be wrong but I just think I would love to know what the line would be if Ohio State played Oregon Washington, Texas, Alabama. Like, I just would love to know because I think they would be underdog against 
all those teams I just named. So they're underdogs against Michigan, who I don't think are good. So I just really want to see, you know, what these two look like against each other. And then I want to see one of them lose to Iowa because I want both of them out of my life for the year. Yeah, and I, I, I hope that wouldn't allow – this would be like the nightmare scenario. If we have other losses, if we have to then discuss whether a team that lost to Iowa will be in the playoffs too. I It can't. Well, I mean, I know we talked about the scenario where it can. In my world, no. That means you're ineligible to play in a playoff. But, God, if that happens, we will see. It will be the greatest night of television to watch the ranking show that day. I, I'll tell you that. Uh, all right, let's move. Because, I mean, unless, like we said, this the, the Ohio State-Michigan, my, my analysis has been given. I, I really don't have – I'll preview it at the game of the week at the end of the show. But I got nothing else other than – I think these are two not spectacular teams. I'm not. I won't say they're bad, but I, I just think I've seen better college football teams this year. Um, I think the Big Ten lags behind the rest of the world in offense, so I think your defenses can be made to look a lot better when you play in that conference. And I just think if they had to play Washington and Oregon and Washington State and Arizona and USC week after week, as opposed to the teams I listed. That things would just look a little bit differently, but we will we will find out soon because USC and UCLA are coming to join your conference. So we'll we'll see if uh, you know things change or if they continue to play football like it's 1975. Want to do Heisman talk? Yep, let's do it. I've seen so many ridiculous takes. Let's get into it. Okay, so I'll just start with this. Jaden Daniels' last two games, 1,115 yards, 13 touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy's entire season, 2,000 yards, the two, two, I'm sorry, 2,335 yards and 18 touchdowns. So essentially in two games, um, Jaden Daniels has thrown five less touchdowns than J.J. McCarthy has this entire season and is about halfway to the same amount of yards that J.J. McCarthy has thrown the entire season. Uh, Jaden Daniels has done that in two games. So I don't think J.J. McCarthy's in Heisman discussions anymore. When I look at the odds now, I don't see his name, thank God. But uh, I just wanted to lay that out uh, if anyone really needed any more discussion about why it should be Jaden Daniels. I respect the Marvin Harrison take, being that I just said he's kind of the only reason Ohio State's even where they are. I, I respect the Marvin Harrison take. Uh, Michael Penix and Bo Nix, those are the only – that it's it's a four – it's four people going to New York and it's Jaden Daniels' award. That's it for me. Yeah, I think a lot of the conversation about Jaden Daniels, especially in comparison to some of the other quarterbacks, are heavy on the passing stats and efficiency, which he compares favorably. He also has over a thousand yards rushing this season, more than Blake Crom, more than your boy Oklahoma State. Like, yeah, no, he's is a Heisman. He's the he's the Heisman winner. He's the Heisman winner. Um, like Michael Penix could have an undefeated season, win the Pac-12, beat another Heisman candidate, and I still think that I have to give this thing to Jaden Daniels. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to win because that is a there are humans involved. Can't predict human behavior of people I don't know. But I'm saying that he should win. Whether he wins or not is a different discussion. I know he's good enough at least that they will have to invite him to New York. I believe he's the odds-on favorite still 
if he's not. I mean, either way, he, uh, he is who I'm betting on just because I think he should win. But I don't know that that's what's going to happen. And um, I just want to see how they force J.J. McCarthy onto that stage. That's what I want to see. Because I, I, I'm not putting it past whoever is in charge of the New York Sports Club or Athletic Club. I forget which one. I'm not putting it past them to just send J.J. McCarthy an invitation just because they want to. Yeah, that, that'd be absurd. I mean, like I told you this weekend, I've never seen a player get credit for things that have nothing to do with him and the way they're talking about J.J. McCarthy. Like, he was getting praised for the way that he handled not throwing the pass in the second half the prior game. Nate floated out mean? a Nate floated out a theory that JJ McCarthy is JJ McCarthy hurt and they just haven't reported it. And I was like, I, that would make more sense than my theory, which is that they woke up one day and realized he stinks, and the less that he has to throw the ball, the better. Um, but I'm like, if you see him throw some of these outs, it looks like he's hurt. So maybe it's that. Um, because he was like, why? How? How he not throw a pass a whole half of football? I'm like, I, uh, I mean, because maybe they thought that was the best way for him to win. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Michigan's a story. They're they're a possible national champion. There has to be somebody that's the face of it. It's not going to be bloody Blake Corum face. So I guess they have to make it. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh's not there, so they got to make it somebody. And I guess it's it's JJ McCarthy. Uh, so you know. Good, good on you, kid. Uh, the hate that I have is not about him or him related. It's about the coverage of him. So I just want to be clear: like you, you know, do your thing, start at Michigan, win a championship, all you know, all for it. But the conversation he's, he's people, a perfectly fine player. The, the conversation fine. that people are having, my my frustration is around the conversation that people are having around him, not. Uh, with him like he, he does I mean I don't like watching him play football because it's boring but that's he's not unique in that aspect so whatever uh, let's move let's get to Kings of Virginia and Kings of Florida so we can get to some games and whatever else is left Kings of Florida Florida State still on top 11 and 0 FAMU 10 and 1 um I know Howard, I think, is playing in the Celebration Bowl. I think North Carolina Central made the uh, Division One uh, or Division One sub whatever playoffs. They're like a high-ranked seed in there, just for HBCU update. Um, I don't know if FAMU, like with this record, I would assume FAMU is uh, also playing in the Celebration Bowl, that it would be them and Howard, but I need to double-check that. Maybe I'll do it before the end of the episode. Uh, Miami is six and five. Somehow the third best team in Florida is a six and five team because the rest of the state got Florida five and six, UF, UCF at five and six, Southern Florida five and six, FAU four and seven, FIU four and seven. Today's the anniversary, I think, of the greatest fight in the history of college football, uh, or this year is the anniversary of the greatest fight in college football history, FIU versus Miami. Um, Mayweather, Merriweather, uh, stomping people out, helmets flying. That was how we were introduced as a country to FIU, by the way, was that fight. At least I was. I had never heard of that school until that very day. Shout out to Ned, swinging crutches. Yep, Not even cr- crutches. Yep, undressed players, wielding crutches as weapons. It was awesome. 
I think that was the first time they played, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they ever played again. They're like, oh god, no, oh, we forgot. And they were like, oh, Larry Coker, we're we're good. Yeah, they were also like, wait a minute. Um, hold on, let me text some ingredients here. It's Thanksgiving Eve, y'all. This might not be part of the pod, but I got to text some grocery ingredients. This whole like, oh, the players should run the program. Yeah, that that's over. Yeah. Sorry, thank Larry. you for your service. Sorry, Larry. Interesting too. I like I did when I was younger. I didn't realize what was happening until I saw like later the um, documentary on the on the youth, the thirty for thirty, the two or three uh, part special. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Why would you fire a coach that lost three games? I'm like, oh, yeah. Now oh, okay. we he, realize wasn't, why. he wasn't actually coaching. Got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, he just inherited this thing that the players basically were like. Just let us do what we need to do, Larry. And he was like, okay. Uh, so you just stayed out the way. <laughs> so he's just like, whatever y'all want to do. And I mean, it worked for you know the football standpoint. It worked. Um, but yeah, those are the good old days. Uh, and if I didn't mention it, sorry, but then Cookman there, three and eight, uh, bottom of, uh, of Florida. Uh, Kings of Virginia, we got Liberty. We got our JMU is taking a fall, 10 and one, still up there though. William and Mary. Uh, I'm sorry, Richmond is eight and three, so they're in third. William and Mary is five and six. ODU is five and six. Hampton is five and six. VMI is five and six. Virginia Tech is five and six. Whole lot of five and sixes. A lot of teams in Virginia playing for uh, all win, uh, you know, 500 season, some bowl eligibility for some of those teams. Uh, Norfolk three and eight. Virginia three and eight. Talk to Nate about Tony Elliott and that program as well, too. Definitely giving him. Uh, a ch- you know a chance to come back and all that and Nate was like if if they, if they were to let him go after all the stuff he's been through how could they ever hire another coach again because there would just be like if you fired that guy after that season you'll fire anyone so yeah we got it. Tony Elliott um I'm looking forward to just anyone a, for any reason yeah I'm looking forward to just a a normal um season from you know for him to have just kind of like a a undisturbed um just not emotional toll outside of just the game itself you know so rooting for the him and that program nate friend of the pod we're, we're a friend of the who's football team here uh all right let's get to the games weeknight really the only thing i had the boston it seems forever ago now. We're almost a week removed. But that Boston College-Pittsburgh game was really fun. You had mentioned before, I think, Boston College, fun team to watch. Just mm-hmm. you know, big big plays back and forth. Pittsburgh got that another one of those victories. Pittsburgh is just, uh, just a weird team, man. Like, they just every year, they just get a couple of those. How the hell did they win that one? And why don't they play like that more often games? Like, that's just Pittsburgh. But that game was fun. Um, you can't help but think like Louisville's looking about like, how did we lose to Pittsburgh? Yeah, but that's that's the one thing I feel like that's why Missouri hopped them in the polls, right? People are looking at Louisville, they're like, yeah, but they lost to Pittsburgh, and I want to be like, I know, but everyone loses to Pitts. Someone is always going to lose to Pittsburgh. It's what Pittsburgh is there for. It's what they do. But we'll see if that is the thing like if louisville misses one of those bowl games by like a smidge because they're getting jumped in the ranking it's all because of pittsburgh um the friday game let's talk uh colorado loses out on bowl eligibility they needed to win that one and this weekend to be bowl eligible 
Um, so I just wanted to briefly, we could do a, a Dion Colorado sesh. Um, what do you, where do you set the bar going in next year for what you think Dion and, you know, can make this Colorado program? So we said beginning of the season that Dion was already a success because he exponentially won more than they won the year before. Mm-hmm. And while I think that's still true, I think this is the worst case scenario for him as far as how the rest of the season played out. Yeah, it definitely is. He would have been better so if he had won two games here three games there along the way. But this losing streak that he's on is an issue that is actually bringing to bear some deeper issues that they may have in the program. Um, as far as it takes for next year, I would be more optimistic except they're not kidding on the recruiting trail at this point. I've not seen any five-star commitments yet. And not that like that's the expectation because it's going to take a while. I think they have two four-stars. But as far as like their primary areas of need on the offensive defensive line, mm-hmm. they haven't had any substantial signings. And so because you know, that's what they need until they address that, I don't know that we're going to see anything different on the field. We know they can throw the ball. We know that they can line it up in the skill positions. But like beyond that, in the trenches, that's going to, I think, dictate their ceiling as a program. And um, right now I'm not seeing much. Yeah, I I mean, I saved some of the more realer critiques that I have from my conversation with Nate because I know he's a he's just an optimist, a, a relentless optimist about Dion. Um, was betting Colorado as recently as like the USC, Arizona, UCLA, like was still you know still wanting to believe, and um, you know one and seven in conference, not great, but it's what. They, you know, they didn't win a conference game last year at all. So I guess there's an improvement there with the one. Um, but I just feel like uh, I've said this enough. This Colorado thing has an expiration date. It has a ceiling. Like being good at Colorado, there is a ceiling. Um, I don't know what type of program he's going to be able to build if the prevailing feeling is not that he'll leave or that he might not say, but like if the prevailing feeling is every year is just like big change, new recruits, uh, big transfer portal moves. Like I said this about the O-line, like O-9s need continuity, time, chemistry, like, trying to patchwork an O-line through the transfer portal is not going to work out well. They might be bigger, but it won't necessarily mean they'll be better, Um, which maybe start by getting them to get bigger. But I just, I don't know, like, realistically speaking, this year I said that they would win between four and six games. It's it's after the first three. When I saw TCU and Nebraska, which I kind of could use as a barometer, uh, I said, you know, I, I think they could win six after Colorado State. I was like, all right, let's let's see if they can get bowl eligibility because it was too hard for them to beat a not good Colorado State team. 
Um, so next year, realistic goals would be bowl eligibility. Last year, like the year before, you won a game. This year, you won four, maybe five, but probably not. They're not going to be Utah, so four games. Next year, I think eligibility in a bowl game would be improvement. You win six, seven games. From there, I don't, like, if if you want to talk about a 10-win Colorado, I just don't know what the hell. I, I don't know. I don't know if even Dion and his effect uh, as far as getting recruits and building a program and being good enough of a coach and all the things that you have to do. I just don't know if that all comes together in order for Colorado to be ranked. The fact that they are ranked at all this year is just insane. But I don't know if it'll ever happen where they'll really be ranked again. I mean, they're going to what the, the Big Twelve. So I think some of that would be determined by like actually going through their schedule and seeing who they got. I do think their style of play will work better in that conference. Could work better in that conference than what was like a very, very deep as um Pac twelve this year. Yeah, but at the same time, they're not if if we just look at Big Twelve teams, they're not better than and so, and Utah is moving over to the Big Twelve, and like some of the Pac ten teams or twelve teams that they aren't better than are going to join them. But if you just look at Big Twelve, they're not better. You're not surpassing Texas. You're not surpassing Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. Um, you know Kansas State, as funny as that sounds, they've been like in the top twenty five, flirting with for like 10 years now, even if you go back to like the, the Snyder coach era days, like I, can you get to where Kansas state is? Can you get to where West Virginia is, which is a team that constantly wins seven or eight games, never really wins a big one, but they're always a winning team, right? Can you get there? Are they going to beat oh, Iowa, yeah, Iowa, the Iowa states, Texas, Tex, Kansas is good. You know, they beat TCU this year. Okay. Uh, but it's just like you look at some of those schools, UCF, when they had their starting, you know, when John Rice Pumley plays is a different team. Just some of these schools you look at and it's just like, where does Colorado kind of fit in terms of who they can mirror or look at and and say, can they get to that level? Um, can they do what like Kansas, for example, has done? Kansas is, you know, uh, two or three years now of what they're winning seven, eight games. They're going to bowl games for Kansas football. That's awesome. Right. They got to beat Oklahoma this year, store in the field. Their fans, their fans don't want anything else. They are totally set. Could Colorado be that maybe, but it would take a couple of years. And I just don't know. Does Dion stay there a couple of years? If other jobs that are easier for him open up, I just don't know. No, that's that's a good point, and we don't probably talk about we don't talk a whole lot about recruiting. But I think to your point, the negative recruiting aspect is real because every cycle, these are the folks who compete with Dion can say, "Well, you know he's not going to be here. You know he's not going to be here. Yeah. His name's going to come up for yeah. every probably Texas job for any SEC job, mm-hmm. uh, and for a lot of NFL jobs too." Right, which I think those I think are even less likely. I think we've kind of agree with that. He does seem to enjoy the college, you know, molding and pouring into the young, uh, you know, the youth and teaching those types of lessons, which you kind of lose that in the pros. Um, 
But I'd look like, all right, let's just quickly talk before I get to the games. Like, Dion, let's where makes sense because I it is also a tough game for me right now as I look. Like, okay, let's say the the uh Brian Kelly flames out at LSU. Could you see Dion at LSU? Oh no. It's certainly a better job than Colorado. One of the five best jobs in college football. Um, but does does would that would that work? Um like I just I, I don't I don't is it fair to say that we don't know how good a coach Deion Sanders is yet? Is that fair to say? Is it fair to say that he does have a track record that shows certainly some ability to do this? But is it also fair to say still kind of early on to evaluate like how good at the actual not recruiting not the other stuff the game has started now how good are you at coaching or even before game plan and week all that like how how good are you at that and would it, you know does lsu make sense pipe dream to your point you'll be able to recruit at lsu and i actually think it'd be interesting lsu having a reputation this year aside because i don't know what's going on this year as one of the DBUs, mm-hmm. maybe the DBU, I yeah. think that could be an interesting pairing. Yeah. So um, th- that's one I bring up. The pipe dream, old, uh, him following Nick Saban at Alabama is like, that is a business power, but that, that also means Alabama, I think probably for the first time, maybe they had a black coach before that I'm not remembering, but like a black coach at Alabama, it seems fairly historic for that program. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm forgiving somebody. Maybe they did have somebody and they ran him out. I feel like there was a black dude for a hot second before they got good back when they stunk, but maybe I'm misremembering. Um, but like him, yeah, following, maybe I couldn't tell you. Yeah, him following Nick Saban could be a thing, but you know, that's uh, he's a personality that could fill the void of the greatest college football coach in the modern era, but. Would he be equipped to do the Alabama job, right? I so, uh, for like, would how would he, like he do at Florida? Obviously, he went to Florida State, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if he'd be like, I can't do that. But like, is Florida a thing where okay, Billy Napier, three, four years from now, three years from now, let's say it's not working, Billy. Like we're five and six still. Uh, would Dion at does Dion at Florida make sense? I guess it's it's different than the LSU job, but it's similar in you should recruiting should be easier. But I mean, look at Florida now. It's I, I mean maybe recruiting's not the issue, but they they haven't been where they want to be for quite some time. Would 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 bringing in Dion change that? I, I just I don't know. I'm kind of asking these questions without really having answers or even opinions i i just am curious which you know penn state if what's his name if james franklin if they get tired of james franklin i guess he's got a big buyout so that probably won't happen but like i'm just trying to think of i don't know where it makes sense for Dion to really go especially now that mike norvell is doing an awesome job at florida state that one seemed like the natural fit i just don't know where it makes sense for him to go other than maybe you know lsu Succeeding Nick Saban seems like a long shot, but you know, maybe that. But I, I even that just again, I don't know how good of a coach is Dion. We maybe time will tell. Maybe that's where we're at with it. 
I think it's interesting to say too, like what what is the program? I think he'll do well in a program that wants to make a splash, wants to have some fresh life infused, but also that doesn't have immediate expectations to win. Which is where he is. Which is like that's that was Colorado, right? Which is why it's hard for me to find like where it makes more sense because like that's the job he went to, which is they don't expect much. They wanted to make a splash. They did. People go to their games. It sells out. They're on TV. They're being covered. That, like, that's the first step. I guess the next question is okay. Now, once you get that, um, how much do you want to win, and how consistently? Can Dion build a winning? How quickly and how consistent of a winning program can Dion build? I guess is the big question. Uh, do you want to talk games from the prior week? I can run through these very quickly. This feels like one of our longer episodes. Um, Twelve o'clock window. Quick note: color pop game of the week: Coastal Carolina at Army. Those. Jerseys. Coastal Carolina had a beautiful, I guess you would call it seafoam green. The seafoam green pants, white jerseys, matching helmets for the pants. Uh, really ill backdrop. Army, actually, the Army campus and stadium sits on a nice, nice lake. It's a beautiful shot. Um, Army actually beat Coastal. They yeah, pulled a pulled the upset, but it's beautiful, beautiful color pop there. So I had to just shout that one out. Um my non-college football, I think last week I aired, I called it the non-sport moment of the week. I don't want people to think that I'm calling other sports that aren't college football non-sport. I meant non-college football moment of the week. We had a lot of European uh, qualifying matches this this week, European soccer. So the clubs are taking a little break for international break. Uh, France won, I forget the country they named, and they probably don't want me to say it because France won... 14 to nothing in one of their games in a soccer game. Um, that is an obscene, I think they had like 81 shots on goal, which is an obscene. I've never seen a soccer game with that many shots ever. I don't, I don't know if anyone ever has, but I just needed to get that stat out there. 14 to nothing win for France against some very small European nation. I'm so sorry. 81 shots on goal. Their goalie, um, must be having just waking up in cold sweats in his bed thinking soccer balls are flying at him. So um, France looks really good and pick them to win the uh, you know the, the 2024 Euros because 14 to nothing. Louisville at Miami. Um, Louisville got that one done. Miami, that was like the the last hope for okay. them. That was like the last Mario Cristobal, like, can you please do something game? And, you know, they didn't win. They looked better, but they did not win. We're going to have to have Mario Cristobal conversations really soon because they're paying him a lot of money to be the same old just bottom ACC team. And that's a that's a fan base that has, like we said, they have expectations from a day that no longer exists anymore not only the 80s, but the early 2000s, they still have those expectations. And Miami has been this. They they would like hate to hear this. Miami has been no better than Pittsburgh, than NC State, than, you know, Wake. Maybe a little bit better than Wake. But like they, 
that's a that's a school and a job where like expectations are from a lost time and they haven't been anywhere near them since. Yeah, I think that's true. It's it's at the point now where if you say, Oh, Miami lost to blank team, no one's surprised. Mm-mm. You know, like no one's like, Oh, wow, how far Miami has fallen. It's like, no, we so Miami does now. Yeah. The only teams are, we are. the only teams they're not looking up at in the ACC are Pittsburgh, UVA, Syracuse, and Wake. Right? Duke is better, Boston College better, Clemson, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Georgia Tech's quietly having a nice little ACC run. But yeah, like it, it's it's that's a job. Um, again, Miami they did kind of support my theory of their team, which is they are a good team. They just had a quarterback problem. They put their backup in. They were competing with Louisville. Uh, they just you know didn't win, but whatever. Next game, that window, Purdue-Northwestern. I did tune into this. Northwestern has quietly been winning, like, a bunch of games by their standards. They're going bowling. By their standards, yeah, they are bowl eligible. Um, So, you know, firing uh, Pat Fitzgerald was maybe the best thing that they ever did because they've been on a run. They're going bowling. They're actually second in the West in the Big Ten. I know, you know, that that division's kind of weird, or conference is weird like that. But – Four and four conference, six and five. Like you said, they're going bowling. They got one more game this weekend. Who's their game against? Is it Purdue? No, Illinois. Love that in state rivalry. Um, I think they play for a like a something Native American, uh, if I remember correctly. It's like a uh, shillelagh or something. I forget their trophy. I'm gonna look this up. Should have looked up all the trophies this week. Okay, it's called the Land of Lincoln Trophy. It's a bronze stovepipe hat. Gotta love it. Shout out to Lincoln. Um, I didn't realize that was on mute. The only thing I have to say about those uh, two teams is I'm I'm curious to know or to think about what's going to happen with some of these teams once this realignment happens. When we have this new Big Ten, mm-hmm. um, what happens to these schools? What is now wow, their expectation has changed? Like what happens to a Northwestern or an Illinois? Northwestern, Illinois, Minnesota. teams that already <laughs> struggle. Yeah. That's it's a good point. It's it's worth I mean it's why Nebraska is like, we'll bring in Matt Rule. Hopefully he can, you know, do his program building thing and just get us back. We gotta to, get ready for this. Back, yeah. yeah, get us back to competent because this this is it's coming. Like it's only getting harder to win these games and uh, more competitive teams are joining the conference. So yeah, that's a that's a good point. But like we Northwestern, just surprising, quietly winning stuff. Uh BYU Oklahoma game was pretty fun. Um Oklahoma got it done. They've been living you know, they played some dangerous ones. Obviously, they lost already. But like I said, Texas really rooting hard for Oklahoma to make their one loss look not as bad. Um, so that's the one time Texas will root for Oklahoma. SMU at Memphis. This was one of my sleeper games of the week. Really fun shootout, third quarter, all types of points. The type of game that both of these teams play. Neither one of them are big defensive teams. A lot of points, a lot of offense. Uh, SMU got the win uh, right before overtime. Uh, Beth Moens was the play-by-play commentator. She does college football for ESPN. She does college basketball for ESPN. She's been on other networks in between, I think. She's back on ESPN now, though. Um, But she has been, Beth Moens has been the voice of my 12 o'clock Big Ten or ESPN2 game uh, right out of 
college game day since I can remember, since a young child. Um, she's one of the first women to do play-by-play on, I think, on ESPN, period, certainly in college football. Um, I bring all that up to say just I, more women should be in sports in multiple capacities, but she's an amazing play-by-play, and it's something that I know football cavemen probably still to this day, those cavemen at least are not evolved to the point where they want women in football, but more women should do play-by-play, particularly in football and in all sports, but particularly in football. There seem to be only a couple. Beth Mullins is one of them. Um so I just would like to see more women given opportunity to do play-by-play, color, coach. And it, like I feel like there's a whole market untapped of just 50% of the candidates y'all aren't even considering because you don't think a woman can do this. But um, so shout-out to Beth Mounds, all that to say. Shout-out to Beth Mounds. Well said, well said. Well yeah, did you follow the the reporter who admitted to making up? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I can quickly slam Laura uh, Laura Rutledge. I'm uh, not Laura Rutledge. Sorry, Laura Rutledge slammed her. Um, Carissa, uh, Carissa. I'm sorry if I'm throwing throwing the wrong people under the bus. Um, damn, who was it? It was um, maybe it was Carissa. Was it Carissa Thompson? I need to see a picture. Yes, it was. It was Carissa Thompson. Okay. Uh, Carissa Thompson, and yes, as a former journalism guy, as a as just somebody with integrity, also, Carissa Thompson went on a podcast uh, and admitted to lying about interviewing coaches, or that she would just if she wasn't able to talk to coaches at the in the actual game, that she would just make stuff up or say stuff from earlier in the week. She wouldn't, you know, she would just kind of fabricate that part of it. Um, but my, my issue with it was two things. One immediately came out and said, I I chose my words poorly. I've never lied or made anything up before. Um, when you told us that you're, you're either a liar then or a liar now, like there's no world where you aren't a liar because you went on the podcast and said, I would make stuff up. And I, I've never, I've, she said, I've said this before. I could be fired for it two things that indicate she knows what she's about to say are wrong. But I used to make stuff up. Okay. So either you're telling the truth in that podcast and your words later are lies, or you're relying in the podcast about making stuff up. You've actually never made stuff up, but you just lied on the podcast about making stuff up. Either way, you're a liar. You can't be a reporter, a journalist, a host. I just feel like you can't be a in that profession and openly admit to being a liar. So I just would need, I need her in my world to go away. I need that job to go to Taylor Rooks or somebody uh, more qualified. Cause she, I'm not, I, she's had a, she's earned her spot, but also you just admitted to lying. So now you got, you got to go. I'm pretty straightforward with that one. And you're making it hot. Yeah, for we're like, have enough time and journalism. Exactly. You're making it hot for them. You're setting setting us back. Yeah, you're you're making it hot for all the other sideline reporters who are trying to do it the right way, get where they got to go. You're making it harder for women. You're making it impossible for black women who are already at the bottom of the totem pole because of society and every other reason. But um, that is particularly why you saw a lot of the black sideline reporters were even more indignant about it because, um, you know, it's just you're kind of flaunting a privilege of sorts when you admit to 
what you said even before you said it was a fireable offense just thinking like ah, i'll be fine they're not gonna do nothing it's fine so it's just a bad look you know i'm not saying she's an evil person but she lied either one time or another and as a reporter i guess she's a host now which is the card she's trying to hide behind but as a former reporter if you are found to have lied you can't be a reporter anymore it's just kind of that simple um there's a piece in the athletic for anybody that subscribes by um david aldridge that he wrote about just the integrity of the sideline report and he made a point about if you can't get a coach you get an assistant coach if you can't get an assistant coach you get an equipment manager if you can't get an equipment manager you get the towel guy like if you can't get somebody you have it's your job your job is to get additional access and information from somebody to bring to the report so if you can't get the coach you say coach blankety blank wasn't available but i spoke with so and so and you got it. You you. That's the job of the reporter. So David Aldridge pointed that out. That is not my point. That is his point. He would be somebody who could speak with some authority as to what that job is. So you know, go check that piece out in the Athletic. Anybody who's who's interested in that. And Clarissa, just you know, when you get caught lying, or 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 don't voluntarily lie on a podcast. Didn't nobody make you go on there and say that? You did not have to do that. So the words afterwards it's a kinda, huge it's yeah. on yourself, knowing exactly. nothing's gonna happen. Right. So the words after it kind of didn't mean anything to me because you already showed kind of what you felt about what you did. And you're just you know, you're sorry you got caught. You're not sorry about what you said because you knew what you were saying before you said it. All right, that was a tirade. Back to the games. <laughs> um F I, I didn't know what there 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 was no club late night. And three o'clock window, I'll go through real quick. FAMU beat BCU. Um, so, you know, uh, Bethune-Cookman there. That's a rivalry game from Florida. Throw those records out. But FAMU got the win. Uh, Clemson beat UNC. This whole thing that Clemson storms the field every time they win a game seems a little ridiculous. I'm not one to police fun. But um, if you do it every time, does it mean anything anymore? Uh, just a question. Not telling them what to do. Just asking. ULV at Air Force. Fun game. Um, UNLV had to play Air Force on senior day. So you're playing a service academy on senior day. It's a tough ask. But UCLA, uh, UNLV did get the win. They, I'm pretty sure they're playing in the Big West. I mean, in the Mountain West Championship. Uh, their first place right now. So it will be... Well, there are still some games to be played. I think they are automatically in. Who they play is either San Jose State, Boise State, or Air Force, depending on some results, I guess. Uh, what else was that game? Uh, UGA, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee scored the first touchdown, and then that was it, right? They scored that first touchdown, first possession, and then Georgia said, all right, we'll take it from here. At one point, Tennessee played a whole quarter of football, the whole first quarter. And the quarter was over, and their leading receiver was Joe Milton because he threw a pass that got deflected back to himself for nine yards. So Joe Milton went a whole quarter as his own leading receiver. That was pretty much all I needed to see from that game to know where that was going to go. Last game in that window, Virginia Tech, NC State. Uh, I just watched to to see understand man. Delivers every time. Uh, I even... He hated to admit it, but I even got former UVA, you know, college standout to admit 
it's the best entrance in college sports. You got to give it up. He's like, I know it is electric, but I, I don't like the Hokies. Next window. Give me now. I don't, I didn't watch much of these games. So if you got... as you transition, NC State's quarterback, um, the one that was undefeated, decided to retrograde. The UVA quarterback? No, the NC State quarterback. Oh, uh, the NC State quarterback. Hmm. Interesting. I know the UVA quarterback broke his red shirt and is actually the reason they started kind of balling on offense. Um, I'm sorry, MJ Morris, he was uh he was three and one, not undefeated. He was three, he, yeah, like, I was like shut himself down to save his eligibility, presumably so he can transfer. I was gonna but, say yeah. that doesn't sound like he's saving it for NC State. It sounds like he's saving it to go play somewhere else. Which, yeah, I talked about this with Nate. The new reason why some of these coaches have to break these red shirts on some of these kids is if you don't give them the opportunity where you're at and they don't get it right away, they're out of there. They're gone. They're transferring. They're going to play somewhere else. So, like, some of these schools are breaking the red shirts as a recruiting tactic to show the kid, I will play you here. You can stay here. You don't have to go anywhere else to get playing time. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I'll go. I'll just say these games. If you saw any of them, let me know. I, these were the games I was checking in at this point. I was at things that you know, friends given. So I saw Kansas State versus Kansas. Kansas is now using their third string quarterback, fourth string quarterback. I like they. I, it's it's tough. They stayed in that game, but like, I think it's Chris Ballard's kid is the quarterback there now. So that was no. Happening. No bean, no bean no, in this game. No bean. So it was, it was, it was a tough uphill battle. They can't win without the bean, especially with no Jalen Daniels, no Jalen Daniels, no bean, no victory. Uh, ODU beat Georgia Southern. So I just, I, I saw that one. A little Sunbelt action. New Mexico State is quietly nine and three. They beat the breaks off of Auburn. Uh, both New Mexico states are kind of good. I don't know what's happening in the state of New Mexico. I, I was keeping an eye on. Both of them, because remember they had a weird UMass. UMass played both the New Mexico schools, and one and one because UMass is independent. One of the New Mexico schools is independent, so I get it. They schedule each other, but UMass played both New Mexico schools. Both New Mexico schools are good. I don't ever think about either of those colleges ever in my football mind. They they don't ever come up in my memory. I can't think of any time I've watched anything memorable at either of those two schools. But they're both having good seasons, so shout out to them. Auburn paid one point three million dollars to get taken to the woodshed. I think oh, yes. The yes, yeah, that was that was hilarious. Um, things are bad there. That's I mean, you think things are disorganized at Texas A and M? Auburn's are like Auburn makes Texas A and M look like it's a well-oiled machine. Uh, Florida put a scare into Missouri. Um, that would have been the biggest win for. Billy Napier. Um, but I think it shows they can find if they can find some level of consistency. I do think it shows, you know, that they could get that back to a seven, eight win program. Like I don't think that's completely unattainable um in the short run with Napier, but this offseason recruiting transfer, all that's gonna be big for him. Uh Washington, Oregon State was probably like the the biggest I can't even call it a trap game because everyone was screaming like that. Actually, Oregon State were favorites. They were one point favorites, um, which I was like, but sure, I'll take Washington with some points. But um, they got it done. It was a close game. Didn't get to see most of it. 
But um, I know Corvallis was probably rocking, but Washington pulled out a, a tough victory. Did you did you catch that? I literally saw maybe yeah, a, I did. a couple snaps. So if you got anything from that, I only saw a couple snaps of that. Yeah, I mean, it's here's the thing. So people like to criticize Washington because they aren't really playing that great. They're they're winning ugly. Yeah. Um they're winning despite turnovers and a lot of drops. Um but they're winning. And I think right. at a certain point you have to give a team credit for finding different ways to win. And in fact I think that in some ways is impressive. You know Washington win and blowouts. You know Washington mm-hmm. can score sixty. Mm-hmm. But you also know Washington can win 13-9. Right, they could win all I think that's important for a championship team. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's why Washington hasn't answered any concerns about their defense. I still have some really some valid concerns about I think they're where they have a championship level defense. Yeah. But um they're playing some football. And I think <laughs> they're a they're a threat against anybody they'll play at this point. Yeah. Do you think um, that they will play? I'm sorry. We I assume you think they will beat Washington State. Um, so if I'm doing the look ahead, I, I would. I think Oregon goes into that game as favorites. If they were road dogs in Corvallis, I think Wash. I think Oregon opens up that game as maybe a three and a half point favorite. Um, I would. I would go Oregon. I, I, I like Oregon in the rematch, partly because I think to what you're saying, I believe Oregon has a defense more capable of creating problems for Washington than Washington has a defense capable of creating problems for Oregon. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So we will see, like you said, they, they, they showed like that was a game that people, at least Vegas, low, low odds, but were, you know, they picked them to maybe lose that one. Um, so the fact that they managed to avoid it and now they have a, you know, a rivalry game going into a Pac-12 championship game, like that's going to be a mental test that they got to overcome as well, right? That's going to be three very emotional weeks in a row. And I wonder what element that might play. And if they win all of those games, Thankfully, there's a break before the college playoff. But like, to me, if they if they run the table, I don't think you know if Georgia runs the table and Washington runs the table, I think those are your one and two. I think you would have to put Washington in that two spot if they beat Oregon twice, go through the Pac-12 undefeated. I think the only team you could say that's better than them at that point would be Georgia. Yeah, I think another factor at play here is. Washington's being disrespected. Very much so. And they've been hearing since they beat Oregon, well, Oregon's a better team, and they're going to win the rematch, and people have been ranking Oregon ahead of them. So I'm also wondering, does that (laughs) play a role in bulletin board material? And when they actually get up to play, they they come with it and beat Oregon again. Because they can't like that. Yeah, that would be that's the thing, right? They are very capable of doing that. Just as I feel like that is probably two of the more well matched opponents where it's like if those two teams played, you know, ten times, I would not be surprised if they won five and five. You know what I mean? Like I just think they are pretty evenly matched and a bounce here, bounce there, play here, play there. 
Oregon could have won that game in Washington. Like that could that game, and I feel like, yeah, that's probably what they've been hearing. That that game was a bounce or two away from Oregon winning. Um, but that's why we play, and that's why they'll get to play again. So I'm excited for that. Uh game of the day from last week. I'll wrap it up. Game of the day from last week was either SMU or Louisville, Miami. SMU Memphis or Louisville, Miami. Those are the two best games I saw. I might have missed some of the better ones seven o'clock or later. There really was no club late night. There were just two games. I'm not, they weren't worthy of talking. I even fell asleep on on one of them. I was trying to watch my guy. I don't even not now not worthy of discussion this week. We'll open the club again next week. Uh performance of the day and probably for the rest of the college football season is Jaden Daniels. It seems just like if he plays a football game, he's he's your player of the game. 405 yards, 25 for 30 in the air, six touchdowns uh, passing, 10 carries for 96 yards, two touchdowns. So that is a uh, 500 yards of offense and eight touchdown day. Just another, you know, just another Jane Daniels typical performance. Uh, previewing next week, game of the week. Last week I gave you Tennessee at Georgia. Not, uh, I'm, because of the you know the implications of it, not that I thought Tennessee was going to win this week. It's obvious. It's that was, a, that was a fun game for like a quarter and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It, yeah, we knew it would be that. We knew Tennessee. Not new. We knew if Tennessee scored first, we'd be like, okay, can here we go? Like, can Tennessee? No, they can't. But they made it fun, um, and the environment was was fun. But that was the game of the week because of the implications. This week, implications. It's obvious. It's OSU. It's Michigan game. The game uh, at Michigan. I still think Ohio State's going to win. I don't. Again, I said all this already. I've previewed it enough. I don't know if it's going to be a good game. It's just an important game. So it's the game of the week. Sleeper game of the week last week. It was either SMU Memphis or Arizona Utah. Uh, that was also a fun game. Arizona got that W. Arizona's been on a little bit of a streak here. Um, Arizona is playing some football. Yeah, they've been on a little bit of a streak. I've I've kind of called Arizona out since um, I forget when they all when they it was either Washington or US. It was the USC game. I was like, I I think that's a good Oregon. I mean, a good Arizona team. Like, I don't think that's just bad USC defense. I think Arizona's good, and they've been. And they've also a- gone through multiple starting quarterbacks. I believe they've had some other like injuries and changes, and they've still been beating people. Yeah, they beat a tough Utah team. They beat a very good UCLA defense. They beat Oregon State. I think their win against Washington State was what sent Washington State into this nosedive that they're in now. Um, yeah, they, they beat kept Colorado. it. Colorado. Yeah, they kept <laughs> they kept it close with you know both USC and Washington, right? So I, yeah. they they've had a very good season. Uh, they're playing, you know, their Arizona State rivalry this week. They could possibly get to nine wins. They could possibly get a top 12, 10 maybe. Like, it depends on what happens. They could really get up there in the rankings. So, shout out to Arizona. They've had a good season. Uh, that game was fun with, uh, you know, I saw some of the Utah game last week. This week, I'm going to give you this. We got UTSA at Tulane. Uh, the, here are the implications, right? We got those those two schools and SMU is taking on Navy. Those three, Tulane, UTSA, and SMU are all unbeaten in the conference right now. So it is all on the line this week. The winner of the UTSA and Tulane game will likely face an SMU team if they are too you know, if I don't want to, I'm not going to just disrespect the Navy. The Navy could pull that upset 
But um, right now in that top three, you got Tulane, SMU, UTSA. I don't know how they decide the tiebreaker, but the order right now is Tulane 1, SMU 2. They're all unbeaten in conference, but Tulane's 1, SMU 2, UTSA 3. So watch those two. Uh, watch the UTSA, Tulane specifically. Uh, SMU, Navy will be fun too, but UTSA, Tulane specifically I want to highlight. Or watch Jacksonville State versus New Mexico State. Because, again, New Mexico State has like nine wins somehow. They're going for uh, one of their better seasons ever. Jacksonville State, fun Sunbelt team. Um, and the winner is going to play Liberty in their conference championship. So we got we got conference championship bursts on the line. Peep those games. Uh, and Vibermint game, two choices. Last week I gave you JMU. They were definitely lit before the game. It was a great environment, but then okay. apps. App State ruined the party. Uh, this week, I'm giving you this one was pretty easy. Black Friday, I believe, also it is Civil War at the zoo in Oxen or Oregon, Oregon State. I don't think they call it the Civil War anymore for you know political uh, reasons, but I'll call it the Civil War because it ain't that serious. It's a damn football game. Um, 8.30 is that? Yeah, 8.30 Black Friday. Um, So nice little primetime game on Friday. We actually get the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving as it is supposed to be. So I like that because um, the NFL games oh, are game Which one, Egg Bowl? Yeah, no, Ole Miss will probably roll. Or you think, or Civil War, you're saying? No, the Egg Bowl. Yeah, Egg Bowl, probably not. Ole Miss should probably roll there. Mississippi State fired their coach one season in. Um, but I think the Civil War, we got to pay that one attention, right? Or it, that rivalry game, the we've seen worse Oregon State teams give Oregon trouble. This is a good Oregon State team. So definitely got to keep an eye on that one. That environment's going to be yeah. lit yeah. day after Thanksgiving. Um, that's really all I got. We could kind of wrap. We looked at most of these conference. Like it's really the uh, American conference. You want to talk? Uh, you want to talk Apple Cup? I yeah, we can. Uh, we could talk uh, Apple Cup. Is uh is Cameron Ward still playing football? Uh, ask Dion. He lit them up last week. Okay, so he's he's good. He's back because he did miss some time, right? Am I not? Am I making that up? I'm not sure if he missed time. I think he was playing. Playing, playing, inju- playing injured, maybe, yeah, because I'm like, there was they, a, there was a clear... Colorado last week. They did. So if they, there was a point in this season where this was a team that we were looking at that, that kind of was like their offense could score with people. I mean, Cam Ward's still having a fine season. He's not turning the ball over. Um, this is, yeah, this is definitely another kind of rivalry throw. The, I, it is a cliche, but it's not. Throw the records out. Um, Washington slipping up and losing this one i almost don't want it to happen because then the oregon washington the oregon washington game loses some of that juice but um let me just see other other matchups iowa nebraska snooze fest on on friday that's that first like take a nap on black friday game at right at noon um that's an interesting point too actually does how does a Washington loss impact Oregon's playoff chances if Oregon wins? A Washington loss to, to – you're saying if Washington loses in the Apple Cup and then the Oregon win, what you know, what is – yeah. Um, 
I think maybe Oregon's probably ranked high enough that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to say, I think at that point, Oregon still would get maybe that four spot because they would be a one-loss Pac-12 champ. You wouldn't have enough undefeated teams, so now we're having a one-loss conversation. And their one loss is going to be probably, you know, to the the higher so team. What complicates this for me is I think Georgia is in regardless. Yes, I agree. I think Georgia's done enough, so Georgia's in the playoff. Yeah. I think if Georgia unless they, to Alabama. Well, I'm sorry. Unless they lose to Georgia Tech, the unspeakable. Yeah, I'd even not even <laughs> I see that as a possibility. No. But yeah, all bets are off when you use the Georgia Tech. Yeah, but yeah, no, you're saying if they lose to Bama, they're still in. I agree. I think I said that last week. You're not going to punish a team for playing in their conference championship. Exactly. But then you have, if these all people went out, a one-loss Alabama, a one-loss yep. Texas. Yeah. That's where, or if I were Oregon, I'd be nervous. Yeah. then that win against Washington I, doesn't look as good. That is true. I feel like so far the polls or the rankings have been showing they, they favor Oregon over Texas. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to say your Texas is lost to Oklahoma looks worse than, than the, the Oregon lost to Washington, right? Like, cause I, I don't know that Washington losing in their rivalry game the last week of the season. I don't know that that is an indictment that, oh, this isn't a good team. I, I think that you could look at that and still say, you know, Thank you. We still it's a quality loss as far as that goes for a very good Oregon team. Right. Um, but yeah, that well, the, other, mean, the other thing too though is if Alabama wins, then that that uh Alabama yes. win against Texas looks even better. Looks even better. Yeah. Yeah. Like Texas that Texas is rooting hard for Oklahoma and rooting hard for Alabama. Texas wants Alabama to beat Georgia. So they could claim a transitive property over the number one team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I yeah. think all these games matter. They do, and that's the beauty of it. And people, I've heard a discussion that when they expand the playoffs, they won't matter as much because more teams will get in. But my counter to that would be the games of this magnitude. There will just be more of them, and they will happen earlier in the season. Right? You'll still have this kind of effect of a pseudo playoff before it starts. Um, but yeah, good call out on that. Uh, don't sleep on the Apple Cup. Don't sleep on Florida, Florida State. Like, especially without Jordan Travis, that's going to bear monitoring. Uh, what are the other, just any other rivalries that you need to? I would love to see South Carolina, Kentucky, Kentucky, Louisville. Yeah, Louisville, it's, don't, 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 playoff, don't trip up. Yeah, it wouldn't affect their, like, because Louisville's this out of conference. Um, but, yeah, don't trip up. I mean, Kentucky's good enough. They could get you. I would say I would love to see South Carolina beat Clemson just because enough of Dabo already, just enough. Um, here's my here's my hot take prediction. I'm going to see if I can look it up before the end of the show. But if there is a spread for the first half for Georgia Tech uh, and Georgia, and if it's less than three scores, if it's three scores or less, I would take it. I'm not I not saying anything about Georgia Tech winning the game. I'm not an idiot. But I can see a first half that is not as high scoring and a Georgia Tech team that this is their Super Bowl. This is everything they're playing for this year is just like Georgia game. They've had a really good season too. Um this is me filibustering while I look to see if I could find okay, let me see. 
the half. Oh, 13 and a half. Do you think that Georgia Tech can be losing by less than 14 points at halftime of that game? I wouldn't pick that. I wouldn't take that. Okay. I I was hoping it would actually be like 17, 18. <clears throat> I would like to have more points. Um, no other. Georgia Tech couldn't score for most of the season. No, they couldn't. I don't know how, which is why when I looked at their record, I was like, I don't know how they did this, but good for them. Um, oh, Virginia, it's Virginia, Virginia Tech week. As I mentioned before, in the last 19 tries, Virginia has beat Virginia Tech one time. Um, it's at Virginia. Nate will be there. Uh, so he actually, the last, the, the only time that they beat Virginia Tech, he ran the flag out on the field before the game for, with the team. So I was like, you need to, you need to talk to them again. And you need like, to tell them that. Yeah. yeah. You need to tell them in every Virginia Tech game, you need to be the dude leading the team out because there's a, you know, 19 years of sample that shows the one time y'all won, this one thing happened. So I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just putting that one out there. In the, the at least, at least rule it out. Try it and rule it out. Yeah, try it. And if y'all lose again, be like, all right, well, at least we tried our good luck charm. Because it's not like you've been winning elsewise anyway. You might as well try it. Um, Iron Bowl, like, is Auburn even going to make this game fun to watch? I'm afraid the answer is no. Nah. Yeah, I mean, you got people coaching for their jobs at Auburn too, so may- maybe. But but if, um, do, they, do they like their coach? Because I feel like if you don't like your coach, you're about to. Not that you tank in football, but it's like, man, just end this season. Right. So yeah, maybe maybe nothing there. Uh, UNLV San Jose State, not really a rivalry, but you know, I was talking Mountain West standings. Keep an eye on that. Uh, any other rivalries? Any other big? Nah, I'm glad Kentucky Louisville was a good one to call out. Um, yeah, no, I think we're good to wrap. I it's it's gonna be a fun weekend. I love the Egg Bowl. I'm a little sad there's no games tonight. I get it though. It's Thanksgiving Eve. Um, but I love the Egg Bowl tomorrow. I love the Friday slate, some of it. Can't wait to nap during Iowa, Nebraska. Uh, but, yeah, we will have championship week next week to talk about. Bowl season's around the corner. We're going to do a bowl draft. We're going to draft teams before the bowl game. This is a super yep. long episode, so appreciate everyone rocking if you've made it this far. Wednesday, y'all got time. Y'all got time yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a slow, you know what I mean? Everybody's got time dropping. I'm going to try to put this one out. If y'all aren't hearing it on a Wednesday, I might just put it out on Thanksgiving. Y'all get to it Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Get to it whenever, but get to it before next Saturday. And then we'll be back uh, next week. Top of next week, talking championships and all that good stuff. Uh, One more time, just want to say it again. Ohio State, please save us from this whole persecution complex of Michigan going all the way through January. Please. It, It can't be Iowa. It has to be you guys. Let's go Marvin Harrison Jr. And we'll talk to y'all next week. Gotcha, peace. Peace.